and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Uh, I'm in a great mood, actually. Are you? Yes. Um, oh, man. And I'll tell you why. A couple reasons. Even though my my work day sucks, sucked, my, my day job has been hell lately. Do a I co- just need to like a, start every record a, with just a big hug? A co-worker, you? not me this this time. Okay. But a co-worker cried at her desk this oh. morning. Yeah. Openly wept. That's, that's the that is the that's what the feeling is like over there at my work these days. Oh my gosh! Uh, it'll get better. They're hiring more people anyway. Um, but despite that, I'm in a great mood because I'm going to assume we had a grand time at WonderCon. Oh yes, indeed. Um, and also, uh, I'm very excited for our guests and our topic today. Oh, indeed, it's something yes. that that listeners know you and I have opinions about. We'll get to that. Yeah. In due time. Um. How are you today? I'm doing fine. What are you laughing about? Uh, the way you said do. I... In due time. Yeah. yeah. And just, uh, you're just finding due. new ways to mispronounce things, <laughs> yeah. like on purpose. No, I think that's a more pure pronunciation. No, I know. Due. I know. And, you know, you gotta... In due time. Now that we've all gotten used to you and your tie, you gotta find other ways <laughs> to make us feel, you know, like slobs. I do, for the listeners at home, I do just have the one tie that I wear every day. <laughs> It's a good-looking tie, though. I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame you. Anyway, how are you? I'm doing fine. Um, how are your How are your ears? My ears? Well, hang uh, on Have they been treated well? Uh, you know what? They have They're incredibly well. Uh, I think I know what your secret is, because it's, it's my secret, too, and it's mm-hmm. about time we let it, out, let it out of the bag for the listeners. Uh, Tyler and I use tweakedaudio.com earbuds. Mm-hmm. Now, tweakedaudio.com, that's where you go for... Uh, professional quality uh, earbuds at, at a low, low price in a variety of styles and colors. Mm-hmm. I always say a variety of styles and colors. David, do, they have, true. do they have green? Uh, yeah, they do have green. Okay. Um, but not only is it a variety of styles and colors, they're all real sharp looking. Oh, no question Aren't about they? it. People look at that and they're like, uh, that guy has got it worked out. That guy on the bus listening to his iPod, like, I was kind of on the fence. Uh-huh. But man, look at those, like, stealth earbuds. Um... Uh, man, I I could complain so much about people on the bus. Um, <laughs> I know you can. I'm sorry. Uh, but, okay, so that's tweakedaudio.com. That's where you get those earbuds. Mm-hmm. As we all but know. If you go the extra mile, you go a little bit further, you get paid for your, you get rewarded for your efforts. Mm-hmm. You go tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. Mm-hmm. You get those same professional quality earbuds, the same variety of styles and colors, and it's the low, low price minus another 33 and, uh, Three repeating, thirty-three point three repeating percent, one third off, and yeah. free shipping if you go to tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. Yeah, don't do that math, otherwise them. you'll you'll go insane. But they do the math for you. You'll yeah, yeah, be yeah. fine. Yeah, but yeah, okay. it's very exciting. Okay, got that out of the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, thank you for anyone who we saw at WonderCon. Oh, indeed, yes, uh, yes. We don't know. If... It was a whole bunch of fun. Yeah, yeah. especially <laughs> that part on Friday when I uh, ducked over to. Disneyland. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, but I, I mentioned we have guests, and it's going to lead to a fun topic. Oh, yeah, yeah, they're there. How, how, would, you like, how would you like to introduce the guests? Uh, I haven't thought about it. Hang on. Okay, here we go. Uh, so a couple days ago, I was on uh, Facebook, and I saw... Surfing the internet? Yeah, sure. I'm actually curious to hear the story, because I want to know how you came across us. I don't totally recall, but it seems to be something like this. It's just one of those like Facebook wormholes, just following one thing after another? Uh, yeah, that's, that happens on Facebook and Wikipedia, for me. Yeah, I, I don't uh, really use Facebook, but yeah, Wikipedia. Oh my gosh. Stuff uh, that I'm not even that or, interested or I, in. Or IMDB is, is the fun. It's, it's fun for me to go to my IMDB app on my uh, smartphone. Mm-hmm. And just start hitting the back button to see how far it's been like, <laughs> how did I get from like, how did I get from Luke Perry to... Oh, Street Sharks. Uh, <laughs> um, to Akiru, like, it one like... <laughs> oh, it'll happen. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so I was on Facebook and I saw a, uh, I think I saw a video and it was, it was a video for like a, a Kickstarter and frankly these days, and we'll be talking about this with our guests, uh, you see a lot of Kickstarter videos. Uh but this one... Yeah, maybe you. Okay, all right, fine. Was, <laughs> I don't know why you have to judge me for that. I I don't watch them all. I just see them okay. in the feed there. I see all right. And so I uh, so it looked interesting to me. Uh, specifically, it was uh, for a project called uh, That's Not Funny. 
And I had a feeling immediately what it might have been. And uh, I clicked on it. Sure enough, I was correct. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and it was a well-put-together uh, well Kickstarter video sure that was is. usually about five minutes long. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was fun. I got to see uh, friends of the show, Jackie Cation, Kyle Kinane in there. Yeah. Uh, uh, Paul Provenza, director of The Aristocrats, was in there. Good. Not a friend of the show. We'll, Not a friend of the show We'd like yet. him to be. Absolutely. Why else would we have our guests on today if not for, uh, step, for these purposes? Step one in our plan and so, landing Provenza. <laughs> I remember when he was on uh, Empty Nest. And so, uh, so yeah, it's, uh, so I clicked on and was like, this is really interesting, specifically because a couple, I don't know, two, three episodes ago, we discussed that tweet from The Onion Right, the, uh, during the Oscars. Yeah, where about they called the Oscars. Convention A. Wallace, the C word. Indeed. And we talked about why that was okay, and when so many other people were saying it was not, and uh, and how angry we were that and, The Onion but, well, apologized. We should, yes. We, just, we, we talked about why we believe it's okay. Yes, yes. And I think we made a very good case to the point where I think everyone should just agree with me. But anyway, <laughs> um, and so I was like, oh, okay, well, this is everything about this seems like uh, like we should all just come together. Battleship pretension. That's not funny, and so I uh, so I sent the director an email and uh, said, "Can you be on in two days? Because uh, as listeners know, I'm going to be taking a hiatus for a month and so, sabbatical. Yeah, and because he's doing a Kickstarter, by the time I would be back, it might be over. Sure, sure. And so I uh, so I said, "Let's let's make this happen." So we have, and he brought and he brought his. Uh, I don't remember. He wears a lot of hats. Okay. Producer, co-producer, co-editor, and first AD. And just just good friend, I think. And good friend. I and co-director tell. on a lot, a lot of my other projects. Okay, so, all right. Well, I'm glad I'm glad that he came. So, we've got Mike Celestino. Correct. And Robert Guerin. That's right. Okay. Thanks for Mike, being on the show, guys. Robert, Thank thanks, you. For, thanks for thanks coming. Thanks for having us. Thank you. Can I, can I make one note? I would be hesitant in the future to describe something you want to put in your ears as sharp, because I was always told that that no, was the last right. thing you want to put in your ear. You're right. But go ahead. I'm oh. sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. You just totally, uh, you just killed like three sales. Um, but, uh, but yeah, thanks for, thanks for coming. Um, I should have said such short notice. Smart looking. There you go. There, that's better. Smart. Yeah. Smart looking. Really, <laughs> yeah. Got to make sure to drop that G uh-huh. so that we appeal to a certain audience. Um, but yeah, so uh, as I said, uh, thanks for uh, for being here. And there's so much stuff to talk about yeah, I w- to lead I, up to this. I don't want to. Uh, I, I can't wait, as I've said, to talk about your movie and this topic because it's uh, something I feel passionately about. But I also want to you. I want to get to know you guys. I just met you sure. what seven and a half minutes ago mm-hmm. when we when we talked about Survivor for that entire time. <laughs> um, Interesting uh, season this year. <laughs> yeah, a show I don't watch. Um, I, I also don't watch it. It's Me weird neither. that we were talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> now it looks like I just steamrolled everybody. <laughs> uh, for all we know, Robert watches it because I talked about Chopped for five minutes right. and then he stealthily came in at the end. He's like, yeah, I know the show. I'm like, oh, I just described the whole thing. Anyway, I want the listeners to get to know you as, as well. Um, so where are you guys from? How did you get into film? How did you meet? I am from Long Island, New York. Uh, I grew up there for the first 18 years of my life. That's when I was growing up. Uh, And then I went to school at USC uh, in South Central Los Angeles, where I met Rob in my freshman year. We lived in the same dorm that was cinema-themed for all the the film students there. I actually didn't didn't get into the film school at USC. Hmm. I was a creative writing major, and then I took some film classes at LA City College Hmm. for a bit. Rob, you want to talk about where you're from? Uh, yeah, originally from Venezuela. Lived there until 16 and moved here for college, where I met Mike. Uh, yeah, we. I also did not actually graduate from USC Cinema. I would have a minor. Okay. And it's international relations, what I did. So, so a little s- bit of everything. You were 16 when you started college? 17. I just turned like two weeks before. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. I was also actually also 17 but oh, I was only seventeen for my first like three weeks of college. And there then you I turned go. About 18. the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But because um, there we have. Well, one year the, was, you you had just turned seventeen, right? I just turned. 17. I was yeah. I turned eighteen three weeks into. Oh, okay, I see. Into yeah. my freshman year. Yeah, in South America, have one year less of like high oh, school okay. stuff. So, but that's also that's like, uh, this is where my mind always goes. You're like a couple years then a year. Yeah, I guess a year behind 
other people in terms of like drinking age in, in your college years. That's that's weird, right? Sure, fair enough. But keep in mind, in South America, there are laws. They're just not enforced. So but I was going to college up I, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I had already like by the age I was six, I was like done and over with anything <laughs> to do with drinking. We were not big drinkers in college. We nice. played a lot of Mario Kart and okay. watched a lot of movies. That was about it. Look, um, I love both those activities. I don't see how you you don't have to not drink. You can drink and do those things. Sure. I, I'm still not a drinker. <laughs> but again, at five and a half, when my first beer was in my mouth, I'm like, uh, I can do without. You just shaved six months off of that. How how early did you start drinking? Five. Five, okay. Yeah, well, all right. When enough. you're like this tall and you go to your dad, hey, can I try that? And he's like, yeah, sure, here you go. Oh, yeah. No, my dad did that. Exactly. As well. So I went yeah. like, no, thank you. There you go. That's okay. the spirit. That's not the only question I wanted to know. So you guys met because you lived in the dorms. Yeah. Sure. Um, and what what have you what have you done together, leading up to that's it's, not funny. It's funny because we did a lot of stuff together in school. You know, I mean, we never stopped making movies in school, and there was always little fun projects. Um, and then after college, uh, well, Rob got married pretty early on, um, and I went into comedy. I started doing stand up pretty much right out of college, and then I studied uh, improv and sketch at UCB. Uh, in New York, actually, came back here, tried that for a little while. I didn't really have the stamina for it. Um, and I was in a long-term relationship. Uh, and then kind of, I think, all that stuff kind of came crashing down at the same time for both of us. Uh, Rob got a divorce, and I was you know lonely and on my own. And I think we both just needed something uh, creative in our lives, so we started making little short things together. We made a little sketch comedy thing. Um, and then since then we've directed a handful of music videos. Mm-hmm. Um, one that got a lot of attention, we did a spec video for the band. Okay. Go, um, that kind of went viral because they didn't buy it from us, but we ended up putting it up on our YouTube page and then the band promoted it and everyone seemed to really like it. Hmm. Um, what happened in this video? Um, it's, I mean, it's, there's no real narrative or anything. It's just very visual as, okay, you know, we tried to do it in their yeah. style. We, we, um, we had contact to them through Dan Kanaka, the drummer, and we thought how to describe it to him and we couldn't figure it out. Right. <laughs> so we just said, why don't we shoot it and show it to him? <laughs> yeah. And if they like it, sure. And if not, hey, we shot a fun little video, awesome. but you can try to describe it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, how much did it end up costing us? About a thousand dollars. Um, and we spent four full days in my apartment. We built a four sided cube out of, well, you, you only, only we, it only ever existed in three walls. Uh, obviously the camera was right. a, as it would be, but those sides had to change every day because the concept that it, is that it's a rotating camera that moves in every direction inside a cubed room just watch it. Just go watch it. It's called uh, I Want You So Bad I Can't Breathe. And the song's by OK Go. People, fans describe it as being inside a Rubik's Cube. Oh, if, it, yeah, if that helps. It's, the camera turns in 90 degrees. Is that the official? 90 degree angles. In 90 degree angles in every way. So it goes yeah. <laughs> right, left, up. And every time it does that, it's a cut. But but we disguise them cut. so that you can only tell that some, some of them are cuts. <laughs> that sounds awesome. It was Man, fun. That sounds exhausting. In a <laughs> it good was way, a lot of work. Yeah. A lot Probably. of pre-planning because it's like, okay, now you have to go from this and then yeah. two, three days later we'll do that little bit. So Very um, heavily storyboarded. Uh, all the storyboards were up on the back wall of my room. We have a great picture that I took because I was in the video. I just took a picture from the set <laughs> in the other direction and you could see all the storyboards up on the wall and, cam- and Rob sitting behind the camera. Um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun and we did get a lot of attention from that and we've kind of been building momentum since then. And props to my dad on that one because uh, we came up with a concept. I came up with a design for the rig we had to build because to have a camera system that goes 90 degrees in every way and turns mm-hmm. is rotates. Not, and rotates exactly is not very easy. So I had to think about how to make <laughs> this possible because it had to be able to do at least three moves at any single time. And my dad actually figured out a way to physically do it. I figured out the mechanics of it, but he actually can do things with his hand. I'm like inept (laughs) in that kind of way. He's giving you beer. He's 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 a great guy. Yeah, he is. Is he still in Venezuela? I know he's he he moved here in 2001 with my mom and my brother. Awesome. So they're all here. So the thing that uh, what now? 
of course we want to we want to get to uh, to that's not funny, but uh, a sort of uh, for lack of better terms, kind of a claim to fame that uh, was as I was doing research on you, I discovered a, a short film, a sh- uh, also a documentary. Yes, called The Last Days of Cinerama. Correct. Uh, which uh, has gotten uh, some awards and uh, some recognition. Uh, tell us about that because I feel like the listeners would be very interested. Okay. In that. Yeah. Um, I'm a Film projectionist by trade. I've been doing that for, I guess, about six and a half years now. Um, and I work at, well, I guess I can name them, Ar- Arclight Cinemas Hollywood mm-hmm. um, and the Cinerama Dome. Um, well, how long have you worked as a projectionist at the Arclight? Uh, for uh, about six years. Wow. Yeah. I, I, worked, I, was, I worked at the Arclight about six years ago. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, in uh, just a few months at the beginning of 2007. Okay, yeah. Um I was probably on the floor still then. I went in the booth in like mid two thousand seven. Wow! So we were David, really who knows? Yeah. Mike could have been one of those doors. people. You I, hated. We probably <laughs> have interacted. I'm just terrible with faces and names. So I mean, I guess you are too because you didn't say anything. But uh, uh, I know you have obviously uh, are going on to uh, direct documentaries. Another guy who worked there at that time, uh, who's also been on the show, was a guy named Andrew Reed, who is a cinematographer and shot. Uh, the films of uh, Aaron um, Katz. Aaron Katz, like um, Cold Weather. Cold Weather was okay. the most recent one. Before that was uh, Quiet City. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, so, that's great. Uh, this is, yeah, I mean, sort of everyone there of... wants to be creative in some way. I've found yeah. pretty much. So yeah, it's kind uh, of a breeding ground. Uh, I mean, if you want to, makes it makes it weird that they're so not understanding. If you have a job starting and you want to like not come into work the next day, <laughs> I love Arclight. I don't know what you're talking about. And then they they yeah don't ever let you. I got I, I, got I still a, work there. <laughs> I, I, know, I, just think, I work there. I got a PA job on a movie, and I was like, oh great, this is what I wanted to do. And I was like, you know, I had to tell them like I got this job. It starts in a few days, and they were like, okay, you can never come back. And uh I worked it for four days on the movie. The movie got shut down by the studio, and I was jobless uh, four days after I quit. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, they've been really, really flexible with me. I'm sorry that you had that experience, but maybe it's better in the booth. I don't yeah. know. Um, it could also be that David, and that's the thing, I knew him at the time, uh, was just a horrible employee, and they, they're they like, good, all right, he's gone, that's, fine. Honestly, that's probably very true. <laughs> I, Fair enough. Yeah. Anyway, to continue my story, uh, Cinerama uh, was a film format that existed for about 10 years from 1952 to 1962. Uh, it consisted of three uh, three film projectors side by side projecting a very, very wide image on a curved screen in specially designed theaters all around the world at the time. There are only three left in the entire world that can show it now. How many um, were there at the peak? I don't know the number, but there were a lot. Um, and there were like traveling shows of Cinerama. Hmm. Um, but it was it was the first major widescreen format. Basically, everything before that, except for a few experimental films, were, ma- were made in uh, 133 to 1 aspect. Hmm. Um, so, uh, 1962, they introduced the uh, what's called Ultra Panavision or Super Panavision? I believe it was Ultra. Ultra Panavision, um, which was the anamorphic squeeze onto a 70 millimeter frame. Um, so they could have the same size image without using three strips of film, which was very, very expensive and very difficult. Um, and Cinerama was abandoned. Uh, they still used the name and the brand for a few movies like 2001. Um, Mad, Mad, Mad It's World. a Mad, Mad World. Um, and... After that, the, those cameras kind of sat in, I mean, they were actually in the projection booth at the Arclight uh, waiting and collecting dust. And last year, my boss at the time, who's since retired, John Siddig, and a friend of his named David Strohmeyer, who made a feature documentary about the history of Cinerama called uh, Cinerama Adventure, they decided to make the first film shot in three strip Cinerama in 50 years called In the Picture, starring Stanley Livingston, who was a child actor in How the West Was Won, mm. which was shot in three strips, three, three strips in Arama with the same camera. Um, mm. And I approached John about doing a behind-the-scenes documentary for their film, and our film is called The Last Days of Cinerama, and it hasn't been seen by too many people. It did play at the 60th anniversary Cinerama Festival in September in the Dome uh, three times, 
And the people who saw it there all really loved it. Leonard Malton was one of those people. He wrote us up a nice uh, little review on his blog, which we've <laughs> quoted many times in different locations. Um, and then we got into a short film festival in Nevada that we went to last month and ended up winning the Audience Award for Best Documentary there. Um, but yeah, we'd love to get the word out about that too. Yeah. And if you're a fan in England, it'll be showing there too yes. at the end of April, I believe. At the end of the April, at the widescreen weekend in the Bradford uh, Museum Museum of the Moving Image, or Bradford Cinema Museum in uh, Bradford, England. Oh, wow. Yeah. And if you have an extra ticket, let us know. <laughs> <laughs> Plane ticket and lodging. Okay, so... Um, now, you mentioned that you studied at the UCB in New York, and you guys, uh, are, what is your connection to stand-up comedy and, and comedy on stage and live audience comedy? Is, it, is that something for both of you? Or? Well, um, it's, I think it's probably more on my end. I, I grew up loving comedy. I, my, dad would, uh, my dad was a professional umpire, and I would travel around with him during the summer, during my summer vacation. Um, and at nights in the hotel... Before we'd go to sleep, we'd watch uh, Johnny Carson and David Letterman. And I grew up on those two and ended up, I mean, this uh, comedy has really shaped my life in that way. Um, David Letterman's a, a hero of mine. Um, yeah. and it should be. Sure. And I, I just, I love all forms of comedy and stand-up is definitely high on that list for me. Um, and First I, off, let me say, sure. I could do a whole podcast of asking you questions about your dad being an umpire. It's <laughs> fascinating to me. But oh, <laughs> what, yeah. was, he, was he blind? <laughs> He's been told that okay. a few times. All right. <laughs> okay. I've never uh, gotten the opportunity to ask it while not <laughs> screaming, so it's, it's fine. It's a joke. Of course, I don't care about sports. Right. <laughs> he also turned me on to the Marx Brothers, um, which mm. was a big influence on me growing up. But I, I ended up doing stand-up just out of college on a whim. I said, you know what? I'm just going to go do an open mic. I, my first show was at the Comedy Store in the, the Belly Room. Or yeah, I think it might have been the main room there. But um, that was an open mic. And then I, I did open mics in L.A., probably two or three times a week for maybe a year. And I was gaining momentum. I felt like I was doing okay at it. Uh, and then I, oh, I did, a, I wanted to do like a live talk show, uh, which we ended up doing at USC at, at a coffee house, a uh, coffee shop uh, on USC campus called the Mike Angelo Show. Mike Angelo was my stage name, by the way. People could not pronounce my last name, as you guys have uh, experienced tonight. Um, but I kind of derailed my stand-up career to plan, write, and execute that. Um, and that went off okay. I ended up moving to New York right after that. Um, studied at U UCB. Did the improv uh, curriculum there. Did some sketch there. Moved back to L.A. Um, did Studied sketch at UCB here. And then kind of fell out of comedy for a bit. Um, and then you know the rest of the story. <laughs> <laughs> so... All right, let's get into That's Not Funny then. Sure. Um, so obviously there's been uh, plenty of... Uh, I, I think the most recent, in addition to the Onion thing, I think maybe the most recent thing was probably the Daniel Tosh. Sure. Um, Can I say something about the Onion thing, actually? I actually yeah. found it really funny in a, not a ha-ha way, but an ironic way. But that happened after we had done like two interviews for this movie, which I found amazing because it's that Onion thing is the epitome of what we're talking it's, about. It's perfect. It's perfect. Like that is, it just encapsulates the entire argument for me. And uh -huh. what I don't want to say upsets me because I, I really, I really do want to take an even handed approach to this documentary, but it really encapsulates what spurred me into uh, being interested in talking about this for me. Um, and, and I'd love to get into it more, but go ahead and continue what you were saying. Uh, I was, I, I, well, I was going to ask what, was there one, what was the straw that broke the camel's back? What, was it the Daniel, Daniel Tosh thing? Tosh, last summer I was at Comic-Con and I, I was following the whole story on Twitter and Patton Oswalt was defending him. I don't know if you followed this at all. Um, but I was like, oh man, this is, it's, it's such a great conversation. Just first of all, because I mean, I don't, I'm not even setting out to prove a point because nobody's really right in this argument. It's really subjective. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's a line in our documentary is that com comedy is subjective. 
Can I swear? Yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I did have that question. It's like, what are the lines here that you have? So good. now we know. Okay, good. But yeah, as Greg Proof says in our trailer, comedy is as subjective as poetry. And there's really nothing more to say about that. But I do think the conversation is interesting enough to sustain a feature documentary. Um, and what we want to do is go back all the way to the beginning, all the way to comedy's roots uh and i'm you know i'm talking about modern comedy obviously but go back to vaudeville and go back to the marx brothers and charlie chaplin and how did these guys push boundaries back then you know how does charlie chaplin get away with making a movie about hitler um uh how did the looney tunes make fun of hitler how did donald duck wake up and be a nazi you know Mm -hmm. um and bring that through to George Carlin and Richard Pryor and these guys who broke boundaries in the, in the sixties and seventies and, uh, and then tie that into what we're talking about today with, uh, guys like Daniel Tosh or, or, you know, uh, Dane cook or there's that Tracy Morgan thing. Tracy Morgan really got a lot of people upset. Well, even this is probably only known to more comedy nerds, but Pat Oswalt had his own, uh, sort of incident, uh, somewhat, I guess it was about a year or so was that ago. with the girl who was recording his show though or was uh, that something else yeah 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 oh, okay but, but he um i wasn't there the, as the story goes he you know i guess lit into her in a way that that right. uh, was objected to sure yeah and, and i guess the yeah that's ran, certainly the woman who ran the show post made it like posted on her blog about how pat Oswalt like ruined the night or or whatever that sort of thing that certainly falls into the sphere of what we're talking about absolutely um so uh, I've, I've got a number of thoughts. Well, I'll say first uh, what Tyler and I, when we talked about the onion thing, um, the sort of conclusion we both sort of came around is that I felt more upset with the onion for apologizing than I did with the people who I think overreacted or were, uh, I don't know, puritanical or what. Because I think, even though I think those people are wrong and probably a little annoying... Yeah, we still had they, plenty of uh, <laughs> yeah. opinions about them being um, offended, but, but yes. Th- they are within their rights to to complain. You sure. have the right to be offended. Sure. Um, I think where I get annoyed with people is when they feel like they have the right to not be offended, which is not true. That's not the way that this country works. Right. Um, you have the right to offend people, and then you have the right to be offended. Right. And But I, I was more... I felt like the onion compromise themselves more by apologizing i totally agree i was not upset about it until the next morning i mean i again that was one of those situations where i went i went to my friends to watch the oscars i was tweeting myself and i came across i think i probably saw the onion tweet and i probably chuckled i don't know if that makes me a bad person i don't think it does um i thought it was funny sure and and okay the thing about the people who were upset about the joke is that they honestly didn't get it that's really my feeling. And what bothers me about the controversy is that the onion is on the same side as those people. Do you guys feel that yeah, way? Yeah, yeah, yes. Okay, the point that the onion was making with that joke is criticizing the culture that those people are against. Yeah. Uh, so, first of all, being against someone who agrees with you just because of a word I guess is the gist of what makes me irked about the whole thing. <laughs> and it was and it was that idea of cuz a lot of the the criticism that I read was people saying like like you know you don't it's like I I object to that word but that's beside the point what I what I object to is that it was aimed at this you know little girl and it's just like but it ha- and right. and and the, what they would say is like it's like, and those of you defending it, like, you don't have kids, so you don't know. And it's like, you know what? Admittedly, if I had uh, a son or a daughter and they were called that, I, I would probably instinctively want to defend them and get angry. So there is that. But at the same time, it's like, but it had to be the, joke. the most innocent person in the room. It had to be. Yep. The joke does not work otherwise. It has to be the most innocent person and it has to be the worst word. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it has to have that attitude. And, you know, I'm repeating myself from a few weeks ago. But it has to have that attitude of like, hey, man, we're all thinking it. Right. I'm <laughs> right. just saying it. Because, look, that's, okay, that's people's attitude about someone like Anne Hathaway. Yep. And people have said that about Anne Hathaway a bunch. Yeah. So how do you satirize something that people are saying already? Yep. You have to push it to the limit. The, the person that nobody would ever say it about. Exactly. And, I mean, that's 
the joke is that it's a terrible thing to say about a little girl, a ridiculous thing that no one would ever say about a little girl. That's the joke. And you know, here's the thing: is that because uh, you mentioned that that uh, this subject is such that you feel like it could be feature length. I agree completely, precisely because the idea of being offended transcends politics, religion, like because you're like as as as. Uh, as, as I, uh, the conclusion that I came to when we talked about the onion is that, uh, so David is uh, more liberal than I am, and he is uh, an atheist. I am becoming more conservative as I get older, and I am a Christian. We come together on this one, like, <laughs> and, like because it's just like it, it's it's like there there are plenty of and you know knowing I know a lot of Christians who are regularly offended by things that I love, but then there are plenty of people. I mean, you listen to various comedy podcasts and stuff, and the comedians that we know, they talk about like liberal audiences say, "No, no, you can make fun of hillbillies right. all you want. You start talking about gays, right? You know, <laughs> just like the, there, are, there are certain buttons that you just right. that everyone has, and you don't push it. And it's the one thing that binds us all together is that we can all be offended right. about something. It may be different for everybody, and so like that's great. Is it? It's you said you want to be even-handed, and that's the way to do it. Is because right. everyone at some point's like, "Oh, that that might have been a little too much." It's, so. Yeah, it's funny you say that because I I feel like politically I'm pretty close to the middle. I'm probably leaning mm-hmm. a little bit on the left. My uncle would say otherwise. Get but, out of my house. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, I, I thought it was really hilarious when uh, the movie Team America came out, mm-hmm. and. I mean, most of my friends are very, very liberal, and they were all pretty big South Park fans. Uh, and when Team America came out, and you know, there's that whole bit about the f- the Film Actors Guild, uh-huh. and you know, basically tearing apart the whole anti-war movement that they weren't expecting going into the movie at all, yeah. Yeah. because that movie advertised itself as you know, we're making fun of America's gung ho foreign policy, you know, um, which of course liberals are going to get really uh-huh. behind. Um, but when you get in there, and it's like, well, you know, these guys are kind of fags, you know, <laughs> like, um, you know, their their whole bit about assholes and dicks and and fags or whatever or i don't remember what it was it's dicks pussies dicks pussies and assholes yeah um but a lot of my friends got really up in arms about that like oh well how dare they you know make make fun of our anti-war thing and i apologize to my friends who are listening to this right now but it's it struck me as really funny like well They've been making fun of the other side for years, and as soon as it but comes no, no, back, no, no, that's different because the other side is wrong. Right, that's <laughs> right, <obvious>. exactly, <laughs> exactly. Like that's what yeah. blows my mind. It's, it's uh, uh, Jimmy Pardo, friend of the show, Jimmy Pardo. He regularly talks about it. it's the uh, it's the not in my backyard thing, where it's like say anything you want about anything that I don't like. Yeah, the minute it lands in my right. backyard, you are a monster, right. sir. I think actually Anthony Jeselnik on his uh, Cinema special has a thing about uh, lesbian coming up to him after the show. And people who aren't familiar with Anthony Jeselnik's material, it's incredibly offensive, sure, and I yeah. and I love it. Um, mm-hmm. And he has a he tells a story about like a, a lesbian coming up to him after the show said, "I love everything you said, but I'm glad you didn't say anything about lesbians because that would have really offended me and pissed me off." And he said, <laughs> "Well, you are a horrible person." <laughs> <laughs> That's weird that someone would have so have the presence of mind to say like <laughs> say say anything about anybody but me and I'm happy as a clam. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that I mean I feel like okay, well first of all Anthony Jeselnik I feel like is going to get a whole big chunk of this documentary yeah. because uh-huh. I I do feel like his whole act is a response to this. Mm-hmm. Um uh, and it's you know obviously anti PC or whatever, um, but he's just pushing. He's just pushing in the other direction, you know, yeah. to the point where I almost don't even find him offensive at all. Like I, I <laughs> yeah. wonder if like well, it's just every it's just such an equal opportunity offen- offender on every level and to every extreme that it all kind of evens out. And I can't imagine anyone watching his show and being like. And he does have a he does have a quality to him, an air to him that is distanced from what he is saying. I don't mean to say that he that well, I mean obviously he doesn't believe the things he's saying. Right. As opposed to say a Bill Burr, who this seems to flow naturally out of him, which is why you watch any stand up special, at some point everyone in the room gets uncomfortable with right. what he is saying. And he will often address it and make and be hilarious about it, but it's just like uh not to say that like one is better than the other, but like there are comedians out there that are they're, they're really not afraid to do this, and they're just going to do it. And Bill, Bar- Bill Burr, with his general fuck-everybody attitude, um, which I appreciate, well, yeah. uh, is is well, a, a good give, example of this. I want 
I would I want to talk about people like um that that sort of strained it, like the Opie and Anthony comics like like Bill Burr. Um, but I wanted to stay with Anthony Jesnick for a okay. second because one of the things that comes up in the Kickstarter video and that is I think generally true of this point of view is that nothing is off limits as long as the joke that you make is funny. Right. Mm-hmm. If it's not fun, that's the gamble you take going in. Right. If it's not funny, then it's just offensive. Right. Yeah. But uh, and I think one thing that helps Anthony Jesnick say some things that. Uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm not as calloused as you. I, as much as I find them funny, they also tend to like get me in the gut. Right. But the reason that he can do it is because I think he's one of the best, most perfect like joke writers. He's a great joke writer. Uh, working yeah. Today. Absolutely. Yeah. It's um, it's weird you know, to think that a joke. One of the one. This is one of the tamer ones, but it's a more of a, a great example of his joke writing. Is that he said when he got his high school graduation money, he wanted to buy a motorcycle, and his, yes. And his mom said, "No, absolutely not," because she had had. An older brother who uh, died in a horrible motorcycle accident when, when he when he was eighteen, and she said I could just have his motorcycle. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. I love. I also love the. Uh, he's been spending the last five years trying to find his uh, ex girlfriend's murderer, and no one will do it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, the one that I don't know if i should even the one that really offends me i don't know if you know the joke about um growing up with a mentally retarded older brother right and the joke is that like it really sucked because even though i was younger i had to be the responsible one and drown him in the bathtub <laughs> <laughs> my my buddy calls him the evil mitch hedberg yeah, which yeah. i oh. would totally yeah. agree with yeah it's weird that like you don't think of one-liner comics as being it's like man they managed to pack so much offensive material into so so few words how do they do it um but uh but yeah and just and that's um you know what if if i head too far down that road uh i'll never get back sure sure i will um i'll say now we've been focusing mostly on mike now robert like uh what is your view of of this sort of thing is it something you feel passionate about or have you uh, yeah, I mean, just gotten I, swept up in this? I've always been a comedy fan, um, but I'm a little bit of a fan of everything mm-hmm. in the sense of I don't get too personal. And I, I have been swept up on Mike's vision of this. Mm-hmm. But I try to also be really open about everything, mm-hmm. ultimately. So I try to always focus his points of view in a way. We have a lot of discussions. We spend hours off the editing base, like, well, what is this? What is this? And the thing that I've really been enjoying about this is seeing what the comedians have to say mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. we i get this end of the conversation all the time yeah what do we normal people think about this but what do the comedians think about this and what do they personally say and how much they differ mm-hmm. is really really interesting yes. so far like we've interviewed already eight people mm-hmm. and they're all on different sides of the spectrum and they're all the same in my mind they're comedians yeah you think they would all think the same basic principle is like you know Comedy rules, you know, you must have your Ten Commandments. Thou shalt do this, thou shalt do that. Yeah. No, 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 they really do come from every other side. And that's really drawn me in a lot more than I thought into this project because I just want to keep listening to all these really talented people talking about this. Can I, do you guys intend to interview non-comics? Like people yes, who have yes. Oh, that's very, very high on yes. our list. We want to, actually, I was in contact today with um, a writer named Lindy West who writes for Jezebel, which is a feminist uh, yeah, yeah. A blog, I think. Would you call it a blog or a yeah, publication? I guess. Yeah, it's a great, um, great, great. But blog. yeah, um, she's friends of friends of mine, and somebody pointed me in the direction of her article, "How to Make a Rape Joke," which I thought was great. And hmm. um, uh, we're in talks to do an interview with her. But yeah, I want to talk to everybody, feminists, the uh, Jewish Anti Defamation League, yeah. um, anyone, you know, even if even the people who were directly affected by these incidents, like the girls who walked out of the Tosh show. I'd love to talk to them. I know I was trying to find their names, I can't find them anywhere. But um, we would love to track them down and talk to them if they would talk to us. Yeah, anybody um, that gets offended at comedy, sure, because we really want to understand that. I mean, really, what is the reason for it? And like as you said, everybody has a different reason. Yeah, yeah. So that's what we want to understand. And how can we make it be a conversation? Because a lot of times it ends at no. Yeah. Right. Um, I have, I guess, a bit of a, a a theory that's not very well tested, so you guys could shoot it down. But it ties into guys like like Bill Burr. Um, this this uh not that bill burr is an older generation but he's i think of an older school mm-hmm. of comedy I, I i think um the 
the what's the word I'm looking for? The the chasm between the audience and the stage has all but disappeared mm-hmm. because of the way that you can interact and and, yep. and Twitter and it breaks down and it decontextualizes the art and the performance of it. Yeah. So I think guys like Bill Burr don't even think about this question because they're in this older mindset of like obviously I'm a comedian I'm on stage you shouldn't yeah. be taking what I'm saying seriously but uh, but a younger generation of, of people or, or or just maybe even just people in general now have less of the um, divide uh, sure. and, and 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 are less able to see comedy as uh, as performance and and they react to it the same way they would if someone made a Facebook comment yeah, they I mean, disagree that's, with. That's a big bullet point in our outline of the movie right now is, you know, the internet uh-huh. and the digital age and how has that changed comedy and the conversation about comedy and how people interact with entertainers in general. And yeah, I mean, it's, it's such a point in time where everything's kind of colliding. We still have the people that are the old school stuff, the new school that are completely Twitter jokers or we have the people uh-huh. that are a little bit in between and how does that all mix in and like you know you have a soccer mom that hears on the news that there was a tweet about the onion that called a little girl a c-word so you're like wait a second how does this all connect and why is she getting offended she mm. never read the tweet she doesn't follow right. the onion she doesn't she just heard this little blip of news yeah, I think that's exactly that doesn't contextualize yeah. anything yeah. but they get offended because what she heard does offend her and she has all the right to because that sounds offensive yeah but she's not going to go and research all this thing she's just going to be offended especially when the onion takes the tweet down after an hour yeah, yeah. see and, that's, exactly. and, that's and it's the, like oh well that means it was bad right yeah i mean that that's the thing is it's it reminds me of a uh, from uh, the social network when uh when mark zuckerberg says in reference to facebook he says he goes we've got one rule which is we don't crash ever and i always felt like something like the onion not to necessarily go back to that but it's it's a good example it's just like it's like no 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 the onion doesn't apologize right you have to stick stick by your guns because you are comedy you that's that's what you are a physical manifestation of comedy in fact so like oh go ahead in my memory that was the first time that the onion has ever stepped out of satire yeah correct me if i'm wrong character yeah yeah Ahead, yeah, they ha- well, they have a character of their editor, right? right. Yeah, yeah. The, the that's really Weibel guy, right? Yeah, yeah, T. Herman Weibel. Yeah, yeah. and but it's like, oh, go ahead. Part of that thing that I find very interesting is the Onion got so big that it now makes the news when they put a Twitter out there, right? And that's the other part of the internet, the media, the whole thing is that now there's so such right. a huge entity that they have to apologize because. when something gets to this point that it just offends everybody and does this and they feel they had to that's oh. the point they felt they had to the onions- and the one thing that Mike showed me the week afterwards was that like Onion just had their best week ever yes. commentaries like that just <laughs> did damn. you guys see that article Mm-mm. it was like Onion oh, yeah. Onion writers feel great about the past <laughs> week and everyone agrees in the world that the Onion is at the height of its of its uh, popularity yeah, yeah. And, that, and that to me is like you know they, they're people that I'm sure they didn't want to apologize they were cornered yeah. into it and they did it and afterwards they can still make fun of it so good yeah. for them that they're still like you know hey we had a bad time people get over it let's keep having fun let's keep okay. joking about it but the downside of it, and you know what? Here's the thing. It's, eh. All right. So I have another podcast. It's a film criticism from a Christian point of view. And What's from time, this? It's called More Than One Lesson. It's available every two weeks. Okay. And uh, from time to time, I've said stuff that people are bothered by, and, uh, and it sucks. I hate being called names. I hate being called any number of things. But these are the things I've... You know, it's the, this is the stuff I believe. And so if I said... Now, what I will sometimes... Like with my Avatar episode, which basically I was just really dismissive of the film. It had nothing to do with Christianity. I just didn't like the movie. <laughs> sure. But... Uh, it's very derivative. But I... Yeah. And so I basically... What I wound up doing is apologizing for my tone. But I still believed everything I said. And it's just like, you know, my tone is maybe a little dismissive. And it runs counter to what I'm trying to do with the general podcast. But, like, it does suck to have people, like, really put pressure on you. And I've not, I've not experienced the kind of pressure that The Onion must have received. But at the same time, like, what... Like, they've... Yes, they were able to make fun of it, and good for them. But they have established that there is now a line, even yeah. for the onion. That's yeah. the problem I had. With exactly, that. and yeah. we are also looking into the documentary: is what is the role of the apology, mm-hmm. yeah. and how is it used, and why is it used, and when is it okay, when is it not okay? So a little bit of all of that. And in this one, again, they drew the line. Yeah. The people but made I, them do, do it. I do. I have said this to a few people, especially in interviews. But I feel like in the pantheon of the onion, that 
joke falls somewhere in the middle as far as offensiveness yeah, 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 goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's and it's just it's just very fr- and one of my favorite quotes. And I, David and I, I, like I feel like for years that we've been talking about comedy on this show, like I feel like we've been fumbling to find this thing. And then Greg Proops says it perfectly. He says, "Oh, car alarm! There we go." Okay, I got it. I, wanna, I, I already beat note it up. of the time there because no, I wasn't. Well, now bad. there's a weird yeah, pause because you stopped. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. It's a it, uh, brief thing. So as I mentioned, we're new here, sure. So no I don't totally know my neighbors <laughs> yet, and so I don't know. Like, okay, they're just gonna be assholes and just honk for 15 minutes. So um, anyway. Um, but he says such a great thing, which is, is rape funny? No. Is, or can rape be funny? No. Can something, can a joke about rape be funny? Yes. A joke about anything can be funny. Right. That does, it doesn't make the thing funny. Right, right. And just, and nobody under, seems to understand, well, I'm sorry, plenty of people understand the delineation between the two. Right. But people just in general, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's easier just philosophically to say, he made a joke about rape, clearly he thinks rape is funny, and funny is good, so he's saying rape right. is good. Well, screw that guy. Yeah, um, yeah, I agree that a joke or anything can be can be funny. Um, let me bring up another thing. This is actually a discussion that I've had with my with my girlfriend. Um, I guess a little over a year ago, a movie came out called uh, Thirty Minutes or Less, which should have been much darker and more offensive and disturbing than it actually was. Aren't aren't they making the drama movie about that same incident? Are they really? I, th- I thought I read that hmm. somewhere, because that's based on a true story. Yeah, yeah. Although I, I don't think they've ad- the writers of the movie had, have admitted that right, right, right. a true story. Anyway, go um, ahead. Sorry. Uh, uh, now, I, I would have liked that movie if it were uh, darker. I felt like there were a lot of pulled punches. But one of the things, we saw it um, at the theater uh, you know, like the LA Live Theater downtown there are a bunch of teenagers in the movie theater and I don't know if you guys have seen it but Danny McBride's character uh, throughout the movie is repeatedly saying racist things about Aziz, Aziz Ansari's character and to anyone who gets it um, you know the joke is that Danny McBride's character is a dumb ignorant asshole right. but my girlfriend was saying I wonder if these 16 year olds in the in the um you know uh, in the theater are la- are laughing because they think it's funnier funny that he's you know making these turban jokes or whatever about his right. and sorry and and i and my point of view is like i don't care right why, why is that their responsibility what's the quote about the baby that Provenza gave us um uh, it's, uh i don't want to be told not to eat steak because the steak baby, baby can't, can't chew, chew. <laughs> which i thought oh man that's going to be in the future for sure that's awesome and which yeah. is a quote in itself from, uh, is it from something else? Okay, I thought he had come yeah. up with that. <laughs> Let was, me think about did it. Did he cite it when he? Yeah, it was a citation. Okay, uh, it's writer is it uh, not Charles Dickens? Uh, sorry, uh, who? Wrote? I don't know. Never was looking back. <laughs> Terrible with names. <laughs> that sounds like a Shakespeare to me. I feel like <laughs> was there steak? Oh, in that? yeah. It was, oh, absolutely. <laughs> sure. The steaketh so. and the <laughs> <laughs> yeah. my brother would kill me for actually. Pretending to know Shakespeare, <laughs> it's okay. He's out of the country. Oh, that's true. Uh, what other topics do you, uh, do, do you do you touch on or plan to touch on in the film? Well, I think the big one is going to be rape, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. and I know I know it's touchy, and I have a lot of feminist friends, and I am with them almost a hundred percent on everything. And I am a, I you know what? I'm a individualist. I don't really believe in like i i don't know i don't want to say, say too much about race g- gender wars or anything but um i really believe that everyone should be treated as a an, an equal and an individual and not as a part of a group um but i do i think on the flip side of that equation everyone should be okay with having things i don't know <laughs> good way to put it with having jokes made about them i guess is my point right yeah. um but I think the ultimately the rape thing comes down to, look, I, I've never been raped. I doubt I will ever be raped. I do know men who have been raped. I, I know that women are raped far, far more often than men, and it happens a lot. I understand that. But to me, coming up to someone and saying, the thing that offends me is more important than anything that offends anyone else. Mm-hmm. I don't understand that 
I, I will never understand that because a lot of the people who get offended at rape jokes will be perfectly okay with somebody making fun of say religion mm-hmm. and religion means an awful lot to a lot of people. Uh, so I don't see how you don't see, I don't see how the inequality there isn't noted. Yeah. And I think maybe it has more to do, uh, uh, I mean, I hate this first be like a blanket, um, answer to all, to all this, but this idea of like, like Twitter and this individual, uh, interaction, like it's sort of like, okay. Um, my, uh, when I was 21 years old, my dad died very suddenly and, you know, it was very, it was, it was very devastating for me. And so I could be watching a movie and there will be, or a TV show and there'll be a, a joke about the idea of someone's dad dying suddenly. And like, it might, I might not laugh at it because it might like hit me the wrong way, but I don't think how dare they? Yeah, I and know if somebody does they, laugh they, they at it. They didn't think they didn't have me in mind. Right. So if and this is maybe a, a harsh thing to say, if the woman who heckled Daniel's Hosh had been raped in her life, maybe right. she has. We don't know. Like that's awful for her, but the joke wasn't for directly her. Right. Uh, and, uh, and that's why I, she's allowed to be offended. Sure. I find that she's offended. I don't think she should talk during the show that's people right. not recognizing stand-up as art that's a whole other conversation right anyway so and actually lindy west mentions this in her article and this is one of the things that she talked about that i didn't agree with but she's saying you know okay now you have this information and you can joke about rape if you want to but know that you are traumatizing audience members by talking about rape or making an insensitive rape joke um i i just think People are traumatized by a lot of things. Yeah, like <laughs> it's, it's like okay, I I I'll hold off. I won't make any rape jokes. I don't want to traumatize anyone. Right. Incidentally, Jews. Am I right? Like okay, I, I'm sorry. I can't do that. Right. Okay, all right. So let's have, see. Have you seen this? Like you can't. It, it is one of those things. And I think I believe uh, Kyle Kinane says he's like, if you can't, if there's one tragedy yes. or whatever that you can't make fun of, then you can't make fun of any of them because. Uh, because then you're playing favorites and you're yep. saying that this one thing that yep. somebody or a group might fall yep. into, they are, when it comes right down to it, kind of not necessarily better, but more privileged. And maybe it's maybe it's a silly thing to say when you think of like jokes about the Holocaust, like, oh, we can't make Holocaust jokes because of these privileged few. It's like, right, right. well, maybe privilege isn't the word, but uh, but it's just like. You or can make more jokes recently, to, the Holocaust AIDS is a yeah, big one. That, yeah, sure. and that's that has seems to be okay now. Yeah, that one's all right. I think now. <laughs> I mean, it shows up a lot. It, I mean, as with many things, South Park said it best: everything is okay or nothing is. Yeah, mm-hmm. and there's there is a great bit by uh, Dennis Miller, who I think has as time has gone on and he's I think gotten older. I think he's become less funny. Every once in a while, he'll still have someone. It's like ah, there's the old Dennis Miller. But he had a thing in the in the mid '90s where he was talking about. Uh, Political correctness. He was talking about what groups prefer to be referred to. He's like, he goes, gays don't even like being called gay anymore. They they like being called, uh, oh, what is it, Asian. And then, <laughs> and then he goes, and then he goes into a voice. He's like, hey, what's Dennis saying there, man? He's saying, is he saying that all Asians are gay? Is he saying that all gays are Asian? Look, you know what I'm saying. All Asians are gay. <laughs> and just like, and then he's like, he goes, now I'm sure someone out there is having this knee jerk reaction to my joke on my joke. And he's like, he, and then, and he's, he then speaks to like, uh, you know, any, any homosexuals that might be offended. He's like, I'm not going to, he's like, he goes, he goes, I, I'm going to treat you with the equality that you want. And that means I'm not going to treat you like a Fabergé egg. Come and join in our reindeer games. And it's, and it is that kind of thing where it's just like, as somebody, you know, I mean, I live in Los Angeles. I'm friends with comedians and and movie people. Christianity is going to be made fun of. Uh-huh. I I don't have to agree with them. I don't even necessarily have to laugh at their joke. I if what I could do is I could say like, yeah, there's some kind of goofy stuff in there. I you know I acknowledge that. And so like, but the thing is like, if I re- if I removed myself from that or just constantly just w- was offended to the point where I'm like, you shouldn't say that. You should take me into account when you're saying these things. And it's just like. Yeah, but that's not fun. Like, just it's it's more fun to be like, yeah, I got insulted. Now I'll insult you and your horseshit beliefs. Like, right. it's just it's fun. You like, can't. Yeah. Oh. You can't expect to go through your life comfortable at every moment. 
Uh, because, look, I've had things happen to me in my past that I won't go into that scarred me for life. And there are jokes that could be made about those topics that could hurt me or, you know, mm-hmm. if I, I guess if I were less of a comedy fan or whatever. But I can't tell, I can't tell someone what not to say for my own personal uh, restrictions or benefits or whatever. It's just how, <laughs> I don't know, I don't know how to put it best, but... How self-centered does one movement have to be to blanket or muzzle an entire art form? Right. Mm-hmm. I think a big part of the problem with stand-up is that people, too many people don't view it as an art form. Yeah, uh, sure. I mean, and again, I keep, I, I mentioned that a couple of times, and I think it's another, it's probably another conversation entirely, but it is, it is a problem. People don't have respect. You know, this thing that I've been saying, that you have the right to be offended, um, and if if a comedian offends you, you have every right to, I think maybe tell him on Twitter or or, or find out his contact info on his website and email his agent or, or that sort of thing. Of course, um, uh, you you shouldn't yell out during his show. You, right. You're not supposed to what talk during shows. What you're saying then is, what you're basically saying is he needs to stop talking. Like if I'm interrupting, then that means. He he can't be saying what he's saying, and what it, what you're then saying is no one should be able to hear this. Not merely that I'm offended. That's well put. No one should yeah. be able right. to hear this. Right. As and Pen, is, as Pendulette says, yeah. change the channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, I feel like I had another point I was going to make. I'm sorry. <laughs> I know. I, I keep tongue. thinking that too. <laughs> and I'm trying to go back in my head. What was what was I going to say? <laughs> and it is, and it's entirely possible, by the way, that like that listeners uh, of this might chime in and say I understand objectively hey, what you guys are talking we, about we give out our Twitter and our emails at mm-hmm. the end of every episode we have comments on the website yeah you're perfectly free to, and I've had I've said things before that have inadvertently or advertently I guess offended people and I've talked to them engaged them on it sometimes someone takes what I say yeah. the wrong way I made a joke a while ago I don't know if you remember about um I can't remember what the joke was, but the idea was that the 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 pro-choice movement is really just like pro-abortion that they wanted abortions. I was just joking. Oh yes, yes. And there was like someone. Yeah, they chimed right in. Oh yeah, someone commented on the message board, and that, that person's an, an idiot. I hope they're not listening anymore. <laughs> I don't want them to listen anymore. There have been a few people that it's just <laughs> it, uh, who I've we've had to email and say, "Look, the show clearly isn't for you. You should. Uh, I like having as many listeners as possible. You need to stop listening. Seriously, it'll help everyone." Yeah. Me, you, everyone wins. But, uh, yeah, and that is and that is the, you know, I, I, I'm sorry to keep uh, quoting the video, but there's a lot of good quotes in oh, there. Oh, thank you. Yeah, uh, that's good. But, uh, hey, people can go uh, Kickstarter, type in, uh, that's do. not funny. You'll fi- Don't take my word for it. But uh, but Kyle basically says, like, if it if it offends you, it's not for you. Yes. And maybe, it, and maybe you know, you mentioned the Internet, and this is something that I've talked about uh the internet and technology, smartphones, Twitter, Facebook, just and now Vine and all this stuff. Like it constantly communicates to people that you're very important. Now we all are important, and none of us are important. Like it's it's one of those things. Um, but it's basically like if you, it, it's possible for that something isn't for you, and that's all right. Like right. it's just it's like no 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 everything has to be for me. Twitter's for me, Facebook's for me, Vine's for me, and it's the, to me it's the same instinct of like people feel like they can talk in movie theaters right. because in my opinion technology says what you have to say is very important. It right. doesn't matter who's around, doesn't matter who's listening, doesn't matter what you interrupt. What you have to say is very important. Um and it's one of those things where by saying like yes, I know you're offended, there are people that aren't. So you don't I'm not requiring you to stay here. You can leave. And it's like yeah. no, I shouldn't have to leave. I'm very important, and it should be for me. Right. Everything should be right. for me. Yeah, getting back to comedy as an art form, um, comedy means the world to me. It's one of the most important things in my life, and it's gotten through me through some very, very difficult times. Yep. And how dare someone want to take a joke away from me or any of the number of people who it might brighten their day because it offends them? Yeah. Just... Just ignore it. <laughs> just yeah. let it. Just let those people enjoy it. Um, or you know, like you said, talk to the people involved or whatever. But uh, this whole the onion deleting the tweet and apologizing, 
I think that's going a bit too far. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, you reminded me of a quick story, speaking of getting getting you through a hard time. Um, when my dad died and I was home, he, again, it was very sudden, so I, I went home from Chicago to St. Louis and stayed at my parents, or I guess my mom's place at that point, because my dad was dead. Um, <laughs> he wasn't mowing the lawn or anything anymore. didn't have a stake on the uh, property. Anyway, um, I didn't have cable. My mom had just gotten cable, and so I had free HBO, including HBO Comedy, and they were showing marathons of the show that i'd heard so much about called curb your enthusiasm mm-hmm. and um the pure like cathartic laughter that i got out of watching just those like first three seasons of curb your enthusiasm including by the way a scene maybe my favorite scene in the history of curb your enthusiasm uh with a friend of the show lorraine newman where mm-hmm. she is describing being sexually molested by a older family member as a girl mm-hmm. it's very disturbing and also completely hilarious yeah and so that that got me through my own like rough time. Sure, it's. Yeah. I'll go ahead. There's actually a great, a great poops quote that we didn't get to put on the trailer that I love, and he says, uh, "Sometimes the funniest things aren't funny at all." <laughs> and I sort of encompass that, that idea that yeah, you laugh a lot of times about horrible events. Yeah, but it's because they help you get through it. Sometimes yeah. it's because they help you think about it. It's because they, you know, they do something for you that moment. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing we definitely want to cover is. What is the purpose of comedy? What is it doing? How is right. it working out to help these things? Because right. a lot yeah. of the people we've talked to, comedy is 100% personal to them. I mean, it has changed their lives. It has kept them alive. Yeah. And it's just amazing that somebody want to take away your livelihood, yeah. your yeah. ability to breathe. That's a, Yeah, that's a really important point that I want to make both here and in the movie is that I... The the reason I want this movie to exist is because I believe comedy to be purely a force of good. I really, I, I even the stuff that I hate in comedy, even you know the, I won't even name anybody because we want to interview interview them for the movie. Uh, <laughs> but um, even those guys are doing good for the mm-hmm. world. I really honestly believe that, and I don't I don't want people fighting against that. I mean have your opinions yes you're welcome to them but i don't want i don't want a restriction on it mm-hmm. i guess is the what I, I i think that's a pretty good place to uh Absolutely. put a, a button on it sure there. so um uh give out before i give my whole spiel of our contact info where do people find you guys where do they donate what's what's the what's the url all okay that? um go to kickstarter and type in that's not funny uh and it'll bring you right there okay all right. And uh, do you guys have... Uh, well, hey, I'll do my thing. Uh, sure. You can find us at com. That's where there's uh, movie reviews, links to this podcast, and other podcasts in the Battleship Pretension fleet. Um, and you can email us uh, if you're if you're offended by anything. Uh, David at com or Tyler at com. I'm on Twitter at The Pretension. Tyler's on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the Twitter of his aforementioned other podcast, More Than One Lesson, which is at morethanonelesson.com. Uh, my podcast, other podcast, and as much as it exists, although I might do some WonderCon updates since I'm going to see some TV stuff there, it's the TV podcast Previously On. That's at previouslyonshow.com. Where can people find you in addition to the Kickstarter? Are you guys uh, on Twitter? Oh, I know you are. I yeah, you. I'm on Twitter at Mike Celestino, M-I-K-E-C-E-L-E-S-T-I-N-O. We also have a website, uh, whathappensnextproductions.net. No, it's uh, whathappensnext.net. Oh, sorry, whathappensnext.net. Yeah. Okay. Oh, and one thing, I remember the quote, it's Mark Twain. Oh, okay. <laughs> can I, can I read you something really quickly? Please do. Okay, this is uh, something that somebody sent me from Reddit uh, today. It was a link to our Kickstarter, and... Uh, Okay, this is a comment. It seems like a good idea for a movie, but is there any way we can get a better filmmaker to make it? This guy's terrible. And it shows what they know. I've never made a film before. So it remains to be seen. But look, I I, I have just gotten to the point where I feel confident to direct a feature. Um, after a lot of practice doing a lot of little other stuff, I would really, really love the opportunity to make this movie. And I really believe in this topic enough that I think that will come across um there's a lot of plans for it that don't come across in the trailer i realize that uh please donate please give us money so we can make it and thank you so much yeah you get some great uh uh i know kickstarter has a name for them rewards prizes yeah uh, rewards yeah rewards Mm -hmm. uh at at different at different levels so definitely check those things out including wait uh getting to be on the commentary 
Yeah, yeah that's that awesome. was. I was proud of coming up with that one. Yeah, yep. mm-hmm. thirty seconds of no holes bar, whatever you want to say. <laughs> yeah. So that, that, I'm really looking forward to if anybody picks up on those because yeah. it, it could be just so much fun. That's an awesome <laughs> idea. So, uh, thanks again, guys, for being here. This is a great discussion. Absolutely. Thanks um, for having us. Thank you at home for thank listening. Thank you. And, we'll get you. and what was that? I just want to say thank you also. Oh, oh okay, indeed. And thank you for listening. We'll get you next time. Bye. Bye. This program is a proud member of the Battleship Pretension Fleet. 